it's, it's, it's a real thrill. And um, for me, you know, the, the, the really the, the, the purpose for being here is to... Uh, oh, by the way, I hope you like my optimistic in, uh, cover image, uh, which is very much uh, designed uh, with the intention of kind of... Uh, my, I hope my talk has an undercurrent of optimism, uh, particularly building on Layla's thoughts about what is really possible when we put our minds to it. So um, my, my, my reason for being here is that I'm on a personal uh, miss, mission, if you like, to, to build an innovation movement towards uh, a circular economy. And uh, for me, uh, I, I, don't, I certainly don't have all the answers, um, but I have spent a lot of time um, developing my own mindset around the circular economy and going through a bit of a, bit of a personal journey in, in, in discovering, if you like, the concept. And I wanted to share that because if there's nothing else that you take from my talk, I'd like you to take from this talk that circular economy uh, is a mindset. Uh, as much as it is an economic framework, it is a mindset. And that's really the cornerstone, in my view, of, 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 the, of the change we're trying to create. Um, so, uh, do you remember, some of you, certainly if you're as old as me, will remember the film uh, The Matrix with Keanu Reeves. And I've worked my, most of my career in strategy design, uh, which is a little bit odd, because maybe people don't necessarily think of strategy being design, but as a design thinker, I'm very much always uh, trying to develop uh, strategy through the design experience and of making things and working out where value lies. And I'm really fascinated by this idea that if we change somebody's frame of reference, if we change um, the, the story they tell themselves about what is real and the way the world is, you can change the course of action that people... Uh, you can change the path people are on and the, and the decisions uh, that they take. And I want to share a little bit, as I said, about my own personal sort of pill-taking kind of experience. Um, so my chief executive met Ellen MacArthur at uh, some very illustrious event, something like the World Economic Forum, and he said to me, um, you, must, um, you must go along and meet these guys. And it was a bit random, really. I happened to be in the room when it came up. So you must go along and meet these guys. So off I went to the Isle of Wight, open-minded, but a little bit kind of doing someone else a kind of favor. And uh, they're, they're based in the Isle of Wight. The Ellen MacArthur Foundation, uh, by the way, are, are trying to drive, they're a think tank, really driving uh, the, the transformation to a, 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 the circular economy, do some really interesting uh, analysis of what's needed. And um, anyway, so there I was, and I was invited along to their new joiners day. So they were having the new joiners day. And this was kind of a little bit interesting to me because I was thinking, these people have already signed up to work for a circular economy foundation, uh, and yet they, they're going to go for this sort of induction to the kind of concept um, and kind of go for this sort of seminar. So they were so small at the time, the, the foundation, that they had to hire this room, and it turned out to be the chapel in this old stately home on the island. So, off I, so there I was in this, in this stately home, and in walked Ken Webster, who's this rather forbidding figure, really jolly, kind of large man, and he had this twinkle in his eye, and I knew that he was going to give me an experience that I would never forget. And what he started off by saying is that the economy is designed. And okay, I'm thinking, okay, that's, that's, I'd never quite thought of it like that, but he said the economy is designed. And the economy was designed, it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not naturally occurring. The economy hasn't just occurred naturally. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't by divine intervention either. We designed it, and we designed it to do a specific thing. Uh, the economy, the, in the industrial economy, that was the basis of which was designed in the 1800s, uh, was really um, designed as an industrial economy to maximize uh, throughput, to, to capture and exploit natural resources and maximize throughput. 
And the effect of that economy has really colored and influenced pretty much all the, 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 the fabric of our lives. It really has. And when you start to see it, it is quite amazing. So whether it's the, 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 the command and control concept, uh, the, the, the structures of this kind of mechanistic utopia that led us to, to create empires, to, to be able to create the scale to capture uh, these natural resources, the way we thought about the, our, our worldview, this, this mechanistic ordered view of the world that we had mastered as human beings. It affected the way we developed education systems. We put different, different parts of science into strict sort of silos that we could scale, that we could specialize in and scale. And they all fitted neatly, if you like, into the, the big cogs of this mechanistic view of the world that humans had come to understand and, and master. It affected the way we built cities to service industrialization. You had the kind of the workers' piece, and you had the, the middle management piece. It affected the very language that we use in business, that still we use in business today, around dominance, a very macho concept around targets and territories. And it, as I said, it very much, and you can start to see it as, I, as, I, as, I'm, as I'm talking, you, 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 I, I know this is what I started to, to see in the world around me. Um, and it's, it's really, really kind of fascinating. Um, and it was, of course, it was, of course, an economy that... Um, that, that, that lifted millions of people out of poverty and raised our standard of living. But is it an economy that we would design like that knowing what we know today? Probably not. Um, and if, you, if we imagine, for example, uh, a factory conveyor belt, uh, and you, you imagine the factory conveyor belt in a, in, a, in, a, in a typical sort of linear economy, the resources going into one end of that conveyor belt to produce all the things that we, we think we need, uh, are finite. It turns out that they're finite. There's not an endless amount of them. A, a, a potentially not a great long-term strategy. The, when, we, when we produce things and they go along the conveyor belt, and then we consume them, in inverted commas, because we don't really we consume food, but that's pretty much about it. Maybe we consume, we consume energy. But a lot of the stuff we make, we don't really consume. Uh, and it ends up as waste. It drops off the conveyor belt, we consume it, but essentially it then becomes waste. And the cost of this is astronomical. In plastics alone, we spend $80 billion uh, a year on plastics that we don't recover, but we could recover if we had different systems. We waste about 30% 30, 30 of the food we produce in the world. Um, we have cars that lie idle, most cars, for about 92% of their lives. Uh, and this... This, uh, this, this linear model, this throughput model that we began to really, really effectively scale has unfortunately correlated with some really nasty side effects. The rise of CO2, as you'll be familiar with, temperature rises, but also other things, obviously, like species extinction, deforestation, and incredible levels of pollution which are affecting the biocycles which essentially keep us and the rest of the planet alive. And... The, a McKinsey report that the Ellen MacArthur Foundation commissioned for their New Plastics Economy report estimated that the current rate of species extinction, interference with the ocean systems, and the rate of, uh, of, of dumping of plastics uh, into the ocean, there will be potentially more weight of plastics than marine life in the oceans by 2050. So this is a system which has produced, uh, you could argue, some self-defeating consequences. And as we imagine a new generation of, uh, oh, sorry, over the next generation, a new generation of middle class coming online onto the system, about three billion people, this is, this is going to create some incredible consequences. 
In contrast, uh, a, fl a circular flow-based economy can unlock a very different potential across the economic system. Uh, it can be, we can design this economy, because remember the economy is designed, it's just we haven't done a lot of it recently. The economy can be designed to support biocycles. It can be designed to circulate materials. Using design, we can design products and services that enable materials to be better circulated, for products to be used longer, make different material choices. We can employ the use of amazing tools like IoT and AI to create data and data services that allow us to circulate materials much more effectively. And we obviously can encourage the growth of renewables into this uh, production system. And the potential for this is not only to halt the decline, but actually to regenerate natural capital, to regenerate human and social capital. Because there have been amazing costs to human and social capital in the way we've produced, uh, the way we've run a profit at all costs economy. So there are some different choices we need to make about what we want the economy to serve, because that ultimately is in our hands. You know, this is, as I said, something that we can design. Um, so there are also incredible opportunities to create new value for businesses. And this, for me, is a really, really exciting thing. Through circular business models, brands are increasingly thinking about bringing their users into loops with their, with their organization, whereby materials can be recovered, whereby learning loops allow those services to improve the product experience as well as covering, uh, recovering materials, potentially offering much more access to a much more variety of product, in, in enhancing their personalization, their performance, and rather than cost engineering, building quality into products that we want to last much longer. It is a designer's dream. Um, so this, this improvement is, 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 is a key thing. But for me, this was, a, this was an amazing revelation, this mindset because I just started to make connections. I actually started to see the world in a different way. I became conscious in a different way. And I, saw the, I just saw this kind of whole macho concept we've created called the linear economy and how we needed to think very, very differently. And I guess, for me, this, the exciting thing was that here was an idea that I think, a bit unlike some of the sustainability narrative in the past, this was a concept that was about working with business. In fact, it was working through business rather than against it. And this idea of questioning what we've designed, I think, is, is, is leading many, many more expert people than myself to make the, make the uh, observation that this, we are entering a, a, kind of new, a new kind of renaissance. Renaissance typically characterized by a surge in the old thinking and the beginning of some, some new thinking. And obviously, the, kind of, the phenomenon, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the unmentionable man in, in, in America is very much driving a, a revival in, in the linear economy. But at the same time, we are imagining new possibilities for what the economy could do for us and how it could serve us all more equitably. Ken Webster from the foundation, uh, the, the Ellen MacArthur Foundation, always says, we're all better off when we're all better off. And I think that's, a, that's an interesting kind of thing to keep in mind. But I think an interesting question is, as these new technologies evolve, as we have the opportunity to harness these tools and make, create a more circular economy, the big question is, how are we going to design that? Are we just going to design it like automatons, just, just to run a more effective machine? Or are we going to design an economy to serve our interests as humanity? And that's a really big question. What image of ourselves do we want the economy to, to, to have? And I believe that we are entering this new era of, of human purpose and, and, and a new era of, of, of design purpose. Um, just briefly, we, we've, I've tr we've tried to um, capture some of this uh, thinking around um, the role of, of design thinking in driving a circular economy. We created a circular design guide. 
The idea being that we wanted to start a conversation with designers. Um, it's, just a, it's just an entry-level tool. There's, it's it's and by no means perfect, but it's at least trying to raise the question about how, do we, how, should we be, how should we be creating value in the, economy, in the economy, and what kind of value do we want to be creating? I'm particularly proud that it now has a LinkedIn uh, group around it of over 7,000 users, which we totally hasn't an anticipated, all debating the ins and outs of how you drive towards, for example, circular business models. But the idea of the guide is to nurture a systems perspective amongst designers. People who are trying to create more circular products, services, and systems. In it, we encourage designers to think about getting themselves into effective multidisciplinary teams. If they don't have the skills, either to develop their own interdisciplinarity, I'm amazed I was able to say that, uh, or uh, working in multidisciplinary, multidisciplinary teams. So if you're a product designer, how do you work with business designers? Because at the end of the day, the designer... The design process doesn't necessarily change, it's just the, in, the inputs and the outputs are different in the circular economy, and the mindset is different. The purpose of that designer has to be different. Being able to zoom out, to take into account the system that you need to design around that product for it to work within a circular business model, but also the system you need to influence in order for that product or service to work in a, in a circular way. Building in the feedback loops to build your confidence and your insight about what is working. Uh, fundamentally rethinking the potential of waste and byproducts as a resource for completely different customers in completely different industries. And thinking about that idea of designing products and the materials that they're made with to be used endlessly within the economy. Here are some things that are kind of inspiring me at the, at the moment. We had a play around with how, how we could, uh, this is an internal thing we did at IDEO, but you know, my, my, my job has been very much about how do I engage the design community at IDEO this, with this stuff. So we, we, set about, uh, we set ourselves a challenge. How can we take some everyday product categories and apply some circular strategies to them, uh, design strategies, to create be a better everyday experience? And one of them we looked at was uh, cosmetics. And we just did the classic thing of really identifying kind of how do people use this, this category, what are the problems with it, what are the needs, classic design thinking approach. But then we had a sort of our list of circular design strategies, and we started to, to lay this point about design being messy. We started to connect across those things, and we actually found that People, you know, makeup is a really personally defining uh, uh, habit. Uh, it, it's, it's about people's sense of themselves, and yet we throw, just throw away the, the makeup packaging, and there's a slight tension between that, uh, the, the, the personal nature of the product and its disposability. So we said, what if we, used, um, what if we created a lipstick base, for example, made of brass? Much more economic to recycle, but actually a much more emotionally engaging product that you might hang on to for decades. It might wear with you like a good fountain pen, developing this sort of beautiful patina. What if we actually then also built a sensor into the, into the base that ordered a, a new replacement for the consumable bit when that ran out? What if we actually then used existing sensors, and they, they do exist today, to, to read the surface quality of our skin that could, in the end, maybe start to... Um, tailor the composition of the consumables that, the, that it was ordering for you. So you can see how just by looking at the material strategy, the, the building in data as a service, we start to create a much more useful role for that packaging, a much more valuable relationship that that brand can have with that user, and hopefully a more, a more engaging user experience. I'm interested in the design narrative side as well. So I particularly like this idea that 
You know, designers can engage users rather than to minimize their impact on the world, to maximize their impact on the world. How do we bring language to the user that evokes being part of a system in, that has a positive impact? I like H&M's use of the language in their, their, their recycled denim range around denim being reborn. It implies a sort of design intentionality as well, which I think is, implies quality, and I think it's a really, really interesting narrative. Um, I'm particularly enthused as well about the role that... Um, the role that we can think about in redirecting waste uh, and, and using it more, 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 more usefully within the economy. So um, a company in the States called Regrained takes the, the spent uh, grain from the beer-making process and is turning that into quite malty but delicious um, cereal bars. They're also pr producing flour from that. There's another company called Toast that gives its um, leftover offcuts of bread from the bread-making process and puts that into the, the beer industry. So you could imagine a, a, there's, a little, there's a little circular economy there created around the reuse of these waste materials and these byproducts. And I think one hugely exciting area for us to think about is this idea that local economies can be, urban, urban regeneration can really happen around the circular economy. And that's happening through much smaller uh, uh, manufacturing technologies, distribution, urban farming, renewables. These, these are opportunities to create new jobs, to create new natural environments within cities, and to create economies of shared economic interest at a local level. My last slide, my last point, is uh, where am I going with all this stuff? Well, my personal journey is really around how can I work with between, between organizations? A lot of the big innovation needs to happen between organizations, new infrastructures, new supply chains. But more than just creating something that people hang on to and put their arms around that just makes a few people more money, how can I imagine IDEO's product, IDEO's deliverable, being actually designing the systems of change? So working with people, organizations, and the collective power of them in terms of their interests, their purpose, their influence, their assets, their, their ability to, to think differently, to really create a system that brings their innovation, their collective innovation, to the market at scale. So working with some really, really big innovations. So my last comment to you is the circular economy is, 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 is a mindset, and I think perhaps the most powerful means of change is the stories that you tell yourself about uh, what matters. Thank you very much for listening to me.